There can be only one. That's right. Harken back to the days of ancient Rome. Find yourself a vomitorium and just have at it. Uh, okay, so tonight we're gonna we're just gonna like power through the last three episodes of Under the Banner of Heaven, and maybe also bonus touch on Keep Sweet, yes. the Netflix documentary. On, I haven't um, finished Warren that yet. Ooh. We got to get all the Mormon digs in that we can. A lot of them just felt really distracting to the real like story, I guess. It felt so much just like like he just had this axe to grind with the church, which I got plenty of axes to grind as well. But it felt like an excuse to just get out all the church's, you know, unsavory history rather than really focus on the story at hand. Yeah, definitely a lot of like shoo this in about you know, blacks and the priesthood, and let's shoot this in about Mountain Meadows. Did Jeremy Reynolds get any credits on this? Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it really was like a Trojan horse for the CES letter. I'll say the scene where they come back to her house and they're doing it, like they're going there to kill her. Like I knew what was going to happen. But yeah. it was so hard to watch. I kept thinking like, well, I kept closing my eyes and then like looking like <laughs> like a little kid, but it, yeah. that that was something. But yeah, that was emotionally, that was, that was grueling. Like, well, <laughs> we, can, we can keep talking. Um. <laughs> I don't think we can. <laughs> I think we have to stop talking. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone all right kurt are you leading us tonight yeah let's, all right. uh are you going to lead think... us and guide us and walk beside us is that a church song no, I used to be. Clean. Not anymore. Oh. <laughs> Out of the canon. Well, you were saying lead us, guide us, walk beside us. It's lead me, guide me, walk beside me. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I know they're coming up with a new hymn book and children's hymn book here soon at some point, right? Mm. Yes. Getting rid of a lot of uh, 19th century hymns whatever we we have a lady in our ward that submitted like 10 songs <laughs> and some of them were chosen i think mm. wow have you have you heard Just them after it uh yeah she would post them like progress all of that i heard them so many times <laughs> wow. many many are sung oh, okay. yeah. gonna do, i was gonna do many are sung but fewer chosen but i, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh I gotta get this stuff like, out are they like sick hip hop beats, Jess? 
Oh, yeah. What's up? No, mm -hmm. they're not. Kids' hands with a Z. Kids' hands. <laughs> <laughs> Kids with a Z and hymns with a Z. <laughs> there we go. Double Z. Uh, okay, so tonight we're gonna we're just gonna like power through the last three episodes of Under the Banner of Heaven, and maybe also bonus touch on Keep Sweet. Yes, the Netflix. The they're the Netflix documentary. On, I haven't um, finished Warren that Katz. yet. Ooh, whose fault is that? I didn't know that that was homework. Yeah, I didn't yeah. either. Yeah, whose fault have is you, that? Ren, have I you have watched any thoughts. of it? Your kids? No, I haven't watched any of it of the Keep okay. Sweet. Well, well, we I've got just, some thoughts. So Kurt could just ask me about it. We can. I'm, we can I'm exuberant. We'll just do the oohs and ahs in the background. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, really. Yes. Wow. Uh, oh. <laughs> so let's, uh, as far like I just have loads of notes from the last three episodes. And I'm just going to start off by saying, and I want your guys' take on this too. I did not like this show like I thought I was going to before watching it. Like I thought that I was going to be the the perfect demographic for this for this series, right? Like I read the book. I grew up Mormon. I knew a lot about the story. I had high expectations like my my hopes were high for this for this series and i just didn't love the execution of it especially with such a huge focus paid to uh detective pyrie and his faith journey the whole time like it felt so much just like uh the director dustin lance black that's his name right like he just had this axe to grind with the church which i got plenty of axes to grind as well but it felt like an excuse to just get out all the church's you know unsavory history rather than really focus on the story at hand what were your guys's thoughts as you like finish this finish the series up yeah it wrapped up very uh we got to get all the mormon digs in that we can and uh, a lot of them just felt really distracting to the real like story, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, definitely a lot of like shoe this in about, you know, blacks and the priesthood and let's shoe this in about mountain meadows and let's shoot and having Jeb as the center of attention for all of that. Did Jeremy Reynolds get any credits on this? Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it really was like a Trojan horse for the CES letter. <laughs> yeah. It totally was. Like the the um there's that scene with Pyrie when he was in his car and he had been given that book um with the that red was, cover. Yeah. The book with the red cover that that was from uh the Tanners like they had written that originally. I can't remember mm -hmm. the name of it. I don't know if you know Glenn, but it was just like all the unsavory history from mm -hmm. Gerald and Sandra Tanner back in the day. Like, I think it was published in the seventies or something like that. Mm. And uh, he's like in there in his car, reading it by himself, which actually like that scene was fairly impactful for me because I remember that specific, that feeling mm. of, Oh, like this is the history that I'm learning about right now and not feeling like I could be open about wanting to learn all this. And like that, sh that shameful, I'm going to go hide in my car and yeah. look on Reddit on my phone or whatever, or, you know, he's reading the actual book, but 
as, as much like, as, yeah, go ahead, Jess. I was just going to say, I think we've all on this side of things have had that moment or moments where we realize, you know, cause at least for me anyway, and I know a lot of my friends, we kind of slipped into an apolog like apologist mode at first where we're like, oh, we can handle this or, oh, this is fine. This is fine with the information that you're starting to learn, but you get to a point, or at least I got to a point where it was just overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of realized logically in my head that this was, I was in too deep and there really wasn't a way to pull myself out of it in the same way that I could have before. And it felt like that watching him in that moment, just like diving in and feeling the depth of it. Um, it felt real and true to me as far as, you know, how you struggle with that emotionally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I thought that Andrew Garfield did a really good job portraying that. And, and like, especially, I think it was the end of episode six where it all comes crashing down for him and he's sitting in the car in his garage and yeah, just bawling, you know, like that, that was kind of the moment when I, I like, I don't know David Lance black, but my heart went out to him just Dustin. Dustin. Okay. Yeah. See, see how much I don't know him. My heart still went out to him. Um, and, and I did feel like, Oh, okay. This is, this reminds me of when I wanted to write a, a history of the Mormons and have it be like a TV show or something like that of the early Mormon church. And, and I wanted to, it, it also reminded me of the time when, and I think this is pretty common for a lot of people that leave the church when you've discovered all this stuff and you just want to share it with your family and friends and they don't want to hear it. Like I, I wrote this long email to my dad of like 56 things I don't like about the church and then tried to balance it out with like 45 things that I do like about the church. And it I just remember that podcast. Yeah. Did, did I, did I read them all and share it? Yep. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember that one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, it's like, I just had to get that off of my chest and you know, like kudos to David Lance Black for having the Dustin. determination. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, no, correct me. Every time I need to be corrected, I appreciate it. But, but kudos, kudos to him, to Dustin, for uh, having the, the ability, the determination, the creativity, the talent to, to take that desire that he had inside of himself, that need, and to really align with people that created i mean it was a i i agree with you kurt i was i it wasn't what i was hoping for and it wasn't what i thought it was going to be after i saw the first episode and was really excited about it but it it did it did make me look at a lot of my own judgment <laughs> it, was, it wasn't what you that. wanted but maybe it was what you needed maybe it was exactly what i needed yeah <laughs> so thank you david time. Dustin, I just Dustin. Yeah. Uh, I had a hard time getting excited about the next episodes coming yeah. out. Like it was hard to get through. And I thought, if not for anything else, I don't know if I was excited about the series because I knew the nature of it. And which is weird because I like true crime stuff. But I, yeah, I, I guess I was a little not disappointed, but just surprised a little bit that I wasn't more engaged in it. But I wanted to say something really quick, Glenn, what you're saying, like I listening to different article or reading different articles and interviews with Dustin, mm -hmm. uh, he talks about his goal with the series. It sounds more like he was lining up with it being a tribute to Brenda. And mm. after reading that, like I really was looking for that. 
And the way that he describes it, especially after like collecting those letters that kind of come out in what, like the sixth yeah. or seventh, I don't know. Uh, he kind of described his motivation and intention as answering the questions that Brenda would have had or the things that were bothering her, which I see that in the way that she was worried about the Lafferty family going off the edge, but I think it went further, like went beyond kind of what would be to me reasonable in a tribute. Uh, and it, it's almost like he took that idea and just continued on, which is fine. It, it I mean, I think it served a purpose, but it kind of got confusing sometimes. Like, oh yeah, this is for Brenda. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I mean, yeah. I think just along those lines, like I think there were there were several times, like especially in the last few episodes, where like women's plight within current Mormonism and early Mormonism became like was was portrayed. I thought pretty well, especially when. Like the early scenes with Emma and Joseph um, where they, they were like, you know, fighting over polygamy essentially. And then there was a scene in, and I think it was episode five where Emma was talking to um, shoot one of the other John Taylor, John Taylor. Thank you. <laughs> talking to John Taylor. And she's like looking for Joseph and John Taylor's like, he's gone. He's, he's the wind running like a dog or something like that. And he had gone, you know, before he was he was taken captive to go back to um, Carthage. Um, so like that's the, that type of thing. And then also like the the depiction of polygamy was, I thought, like as atrocious as it should be or needed to be, especially with Dan when he was taking his stepdaughter. And like those scenes were really awful and hard to watch, honestly, where um he was introducing polygamy essentially to like his, you know, his wife's daughter, not blood related, but his stepdaughter, his, his yeah. stepdaughter. And then, and then saying to her, like, and then having her after she questions him, like her repeat back to him, all the things that she knows to be true. And it was, it was Glenn. I know you talked about this at some point um, earlier, but like, these guys were the depiction of evil, you know, as far as taking their own desires, taking their own inclinations and like thinking that they're channeling God, but really just like being assholes and doing whatever they wanted to do to satisfy their sexual desires and things like that. You know, like it's, it, it really just goes to show <laughs> how bad things can get when, um, you know, like sick men are left unchecked. Yeah, it, it felt even kind of like a virus or something, you know, like the way that within a system, it has its way of running smoothly. And then a spark within one troubling aspect can lead to this progression of sickness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they ended, it ended up there was death and destruction and all of that, which I think like we've talked about before can happen in any system, but it just is showing, you know, here in this context of Mormonism, how people can get sick. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of, uh, kind of hearkening back to like where that sickness comes from, like the, 
to me, it seemed like this was very heavily implied that uh, uh, Brigham Young and John Taylor like orchestrated the death of Joseph right. Smith. Did you get that vibe? Oh yeah, it was heavily <laughs> like sure. hint hint like overtly. <laughs> yeah, this was the plan. <laughs> yeah, and so like they're building up this uh, I don't know myth or narrative that like, and this really bugged me about the last three episodes also because of this whole idea of like the one and there can be only one and you just are waiting for the queen and Highlander music to come in and be like, there could be only one. <laughs> I am the one, the only one. But, I don't uh, know this, but it's funny. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this notion that uh, I guess is, Dustin Lance Black trying to claim that in religion or in all religions, I guess, or in spirituality, um, you have like a, a hero figure who is the one, right? And um, men just constantly fight each other to be the one. And uh, the women in their lives are just used as like stepping stones to become the one. And uh, that's, I, I don't know, like it seemed, that seemed like a very silly kind of framing and uh, narrative. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, it was really getting to me on all the episodes when they kept talking about the one mighty and strong and like there can be only one, like that phrase. I was like, seriously, how are we using this phrase in this series? What so does this silly. mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember when, um, I don't know if you, if this made its way into your brain when Mitt Romney was running for president, but I remember lots of people talking about him being the one mighty and strong. Like, really? Like it, they use that word, that uh, phrase? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. And like, and where, where did you, want, where did you hear that? Um, I don't know. People was, like, was it like you were hearing it when you were at church like, or you were reading it um, online or no no probably like online more yeah online for sure more like social media stuff mm. um but like, like mid, the buzz yeah that was what 2012 mm-hmm. um well there's that that whole um story that in the latter days the constitution is going to be hanging by the thread yes. and it'll be the church that saves the country kind of thing yeah. i i heard that you know people talking about that but i didn't hear it as the one mighty and strong i don't i don't remember it at least i mean both of those things yeah like the constitution hanging by a thread and then mm-hmm. you know the church or someone within the church will hold up yeah um yeah which didn't happen obviously um do you there was a point in episode five where when we're talking about the one, I thought it was interesting, like how they're, how they were depicting, depictioning David Lance Black. How he was depicting. Um, yeah. Like it was like a clear takeover from Brigham Young, which I think that's just very much a theory. You know, obviously there were several offshoots that came up. Brigham Young was in England at the time. (laughs) 
he wasn't he wasn't around to like coordinate yeah. the ways that they were showing him coordinating and, and it, it's one of the issues that i had overall with like the last several episodes is these were just such clear fiction you know like going and visiting the polygamous cult in nevada and getting baptized in the hot tub and getting hit kissed by like and and even that guy with the dream mind, the prophet Onias, yeah, like, yeah. that's not part of the real story, you know. Like so, you no. said just that you you were interested in the crime drama aspect of it, and it was just smoke and mirrors. It was like a bait and switch. It was all and of these it, fictional. I, I don't even know why they used the names Lafferty's and and Brenda because well, it wasn't really their story, right? And they even changed some of the names. Yeah, like there was a lot, like the. Lafferty dad, his name's Winston, but that's mm. not Mormon enough. So they use Ammon. Yeah. Oh, really? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <You> know that. <laughs> so there's just little things like that. And why didn't they set it in, I think it wasn't at Spanish Fork where this actually took place and they created yeah. a different yeah, place Rockwell. in Utah. Yeah, something like that. But it seemed like to me overall, Glenn, kind of like what you're saying, it was obviously more a story-driven plot than a fact-driven plot. Like it was a an emotion driven plot, emotionally compelling, like s- creative story <laughs> coming out of, you know, some real events, which is fine. It's fine. But I think it's difficult, especially for people that have an understanding or any attachment to, you know, some of the history or true events. Like I feel like people that are familiar with Brenda and her family have had some beef, you know, like there are people. Yeah. And it was dishonest. It was dishonest and it was passing itself off as if we're telling you this thing that really happened about these people and this stuff and these problems Mm -hmm. that are real problems. And we'll really show you the real cause of these real problems, but it's Mm -hmm. all like made up stuff to, well, Glenn, I find this so interesting coming from the individual who always talks about stories and fictions and yeah, because it is all a fiction. But it's, but it's not between, acknowledging itself as a fiction. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between saying this is fictional. Like yeah. we are, this is a creative outlet where we are showing what could happen. Like something did happen. Yeah. <laughs> like this happened. And so I think there is some inconsistency or yeah, a feeling that it feels disjointed a tiny bit inside when you're watching it maybe too, if you know about some of the facts and then are seeing it kind of played out a little differently. But I do, I mean, overall as a drama, like I think people received it fine, like liked it, you know, the general audience think this is an interesting drama. It has a neat narrative, you know, like you're following along and whatnot. I think it is more of an issue for Mormons and, you know, ex-Mormons and other people that are attached to it. But overall it wasn't done terribly like it was done well like there were elements of it that were done well and story like scenes that were really compelling and I thought you know acting wise which is interesting to me because I will say out of all the actors Daisy Ridley Jones who's the actress that played Brenda like she stuck out the most to me which she probably had half the lines of anyone else in the whole series so if not for anything else if it was a tribute to Brenda there was an impact made by the character that she played, whether it was fully, you know, accurate or not, I don't know. But I mean, the sense of her strength and, you know, the way that she was advocating for the other women in the group, like that definitely came across. I thought that was neat. But there were also a lot of like, 
kind of clunker scenes too like that oh, that scene sure. with the general authority when he comes in oh <laughs> like that was so bonkers and did he wipe he, his feet yeah he wiped his feet dusted his oh, feet gosh. but he talks dusted to like taba and is like are you from the paiute he's like oh well i have to thank you from the time that we did the mountain Meadows <laughs> massacre together <laughs> Yeah, way back so then. we go way back <laughs> yeah that was silly did it did anyone uh ever dust their feet on a house or an area on your mission not on purpose but i accidentally did once and i was terrified that what it was, was gonna take no glenn no oh you didn't hear me it froze on you froze yeah. uh well i'll say it again um i i uh accidentally dusted my feet as I was walking away from a door once on my mission. And then when I realized it, I thought, Oh no, what did I just do? <laughs> did, was really power. The accidental did, power. I'm like, I, I hope, I hope heavenly father knows I didn't mean oh, that. Glenn keeps freezing. Yeah. It froze out again. Mm. Um, Glenn I didn't even know freezing. that was a thing. That's totally an insider thing though. Cause nobody would have understood what that meant unless you were, but it's like, but do you understand it now? Just like, well, the, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you like, explain it. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I remember on my mission, like, it, well, anyone correct me if I'm wrong. Like, the way I understood it on my mission was like, if you give a, a house or a group of people or a city like a wonderful, perfect chance to accept the church and they don't accept it, like, you leave and dust your feet, which essentially like condemns them to not hell but like it's like Pontius Pilate washing his hands and saying you know like I I I have no responsibility for you anymore whatever happens with you and and it's kind of a cursing like yeah it's it's in the doctrine and covenants right Mm -hmm. I think so yeah the good stories have like you know the next day the missionaries went by and the house had burnt down yeah (laughs) yeah yeah The, the, yeah yeah that's terrible or, or light, I, I remember like i remember strikes it or something yeah right a lot of stories like that i remember i like i never did it on my mission but i remember hearing missionaries do that like like oh this whole neighborhood like we we talked to every person in the neighborhood and then everyone rejected us and we left and like dusted our feet and like literally like same thing like dust your feet off as you're leaving never to return saying these these people are all cursed. It really is like a cursing. It's like a so it doesn't matter you know? if they see you or not. Like you have to be like, look at me. Like I just <laughs> like it's just you could just do it. Yeah, you, can just you do it. Just, yeah. You just do it. Ah, then yes. you have to flip them off and like do a know. chant or something. But I but I feel like that was another one of those things where it's just like let let's shove another like thing that will embarrass Mormons into this yeah. Trojan horse here. Cause like nobody, nobody does it and nobody does it like that. But <laughs> Maybe just like, they do. I've never, I mean. <laughs> have you, along those lines, have you get, like, there was a scene where Brenda's dad came and she was. He oh was, yeah. He was trying to get uh, whatever Brenda's husband to eat chocolate. Yeah. Oh yeah. Have you known anyone to never eat chocolate? Yeah. Yes. My in-laws. Yeah. Really? Oh. Mm-hmm. See, there's a variety out there. Glenn, someone's dusting their feet right now. Daviding their feet. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I had a companion. So on, on my mission, there was this really bass awkward um, program that the APs thought we're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to turn this around and we're going to bind God to us. Oh. And it was called covenant 
missionary work. And I said, like, all you have to do is just be totally obedient, set like an intention for what it is that you want, like how many books of Mormon that you want to give out or how many baptisms that you want to have, and then just be totally righteous. And if you, if you do this, you make this covenant with the Lord, he's bound when you do what he says. See, look, it says right here in the doctrine covenant, he's bound when you do what he says. So, um, so I had a companion that for his covenant, he covenanted to not eat chocolate. Um, and that like if, he, if he didn't eat, cho- yeah, if he didn't eat chocolate for a month, then he'd get a baptism. And I, I mean, even at the time I'm looking at this going like, what the fuck are you guys thinking that you're doing? Is this stupid? <laughs> like, this is the weirdest kind of voodoo I've ever seen. It was dumb. And I knew that as a missionary. That's I did. <laughs> but here's the thing, Glenn. I remember that. I remember like we had something very similar, like, like disobedience and missionaries. And then the mission president comes to the zone conference and tells everyone to like, you got to be obedient. And then you have this group of missionaries that are like, we are going to be 100% obedient with yeah. everything we do. Like I'm going to wake up at exactly 630 in the morning. Right. Like not 629, not 631, yeah. but exactly 630. Like when I walk across the street, I'm never going to jaywalk. I'm going to wait until yeah. the like, because I obey the rules of the law of them. You know yeah. I mean? Because it, like, every, <laughs> like if, if you are perfectly obedient, then right. you will receive the blessings. And then like everyone else will, will get baptized and stuff. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's like yeah. scrupulosity. To, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like to the nth degree, right? Like to such an unhealthy degree where it's just like, every piece of your mind is focusing on, on being obedient rather than, you know, did you ever make a chart to like track your hundred percentness? I did that probably like five times on my mission. Yeah. And, and each time I would get like three or four days into it where I like checked off all the boxes and then it was kind of like 80% and then it was kind of like 50% and then I just blew it. Yeah. Like New Year's resolutions. <laughs> so we had of. a, uh, you know, we had this thing on our mission where we were supposed to set goals really big about setting goals. And you had to like pray and really get an inspiration from God on how many people you were going to baptize that month. Right. And so, uh, but the APs were like, listen, we're supposed to be baptizing families. So when you pray, you know, think about how many people a family is at least three people you guys so <laughs> when you pray really think about this goal yeah and so because otherwise every, god's not going to bless you like if, yeah. if you're not precise in the way that you're approaching this <laughs> yeah ruin so it for everybody everybody had a goal of three right they all were inspired to have three baptisms but not me i was like i was the senior companion i was like we're not setting a goal for three no way one we're gonna have one person we're going to baptize one person. It's going to happen. But that's it. <laughs> so we did baptize somebody and we were the only missionaries to get a hundred percent of our goal. <laughs> Ren, where, did, where did you serve your mission? Ren? Indiana. Indiana. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. I knew that. I knew that. Um, I have a question for you all. Would you join a commune? That's it. That's the question. Yeah. Do we get to eat chocolate? <laughs> yeah. It depends which commune you join. Well, okay. it depends on the commune yeah, as whether I join it or yeah. not. <laughs> no, just chocolate. That's it. This commune is is chocolate. Uh, <laughs> it's it's based in uh, Mexico, actually. It's it's the best chocolate though. 
no like watching watching the scenes with where um ron goes to like the commune in oregon where there it's like it's all free love and he's like and, and the prophet there like the one mighty and strong i don't remember his name is like getting ron to or trying to get him to drink wine yeah. you know, being like it's it's good for you it's you know joe brother joseph was drinking wine and then they're Naked. obviously in the hot tub <laughs> together and like he's getting baptized with like dudes and girls around him hanging out there um i would not join a commune like that but like a lot of the commune life appeals to me to be honest with you like mm. hanging out with definitely lots of elements people. yeah yeah there's Lots. there's places I, I was uh, looking into some recently, actually, mm. some places in mm. Colorado that uh, like you you purchase a house and, you know, you, you basically live your life, but you um, oh, have like a community know. service, like certain <laughs> hours. Of... A visitation. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone listening to this, Glenn looks like he's praying. He looks like Joseph Smith with like... <laughs> Jesus yeah, seeing the face of God. <laughs> uh, don't make fun of me when mine freezes. Okay, don't worry, I took a screenshot. Of I'm good. <laughs> oh boy. Um, looks like I'm still frozen. That's okay. We'll. <laughs> We can we can keep talking. Um, <laughs> I don't think we can. <laughs> I think we have to stop talking. Okay. Uh, Glenn's just screwing with us now, just so you all know. Okay, continue. <clears throat> um, Glenn, you were saying before you froze that you were planning on joining a commune in Colorado. Yeah, but now I'm pr- planning on upgrading my internet service. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, the, I, I, w- I was looking into it and, and there were elements of it that definitely appealed to me because it was like certain hours of community service that you do and like whatever, whatever you enjoy doing, you do that for other people and, and um, everyone's encouraged to kind of do what they like. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you pay like a certain amount each month and they take care of all of the meals and food and things like that. There's a certain dinners and things that you go to, but then you're kind of like living your own life. So you don't have to be around everybody on the cruise. You can go back to your own house. <laughs> you know, so yeah, there's, but there's elements of it that are appealing to me, Kurt. Yeah, Where in Colorado sure. was it? I don't know. Hmm. You lived in Colorado, didn't you? Yeah. I want to go live in a commune in Colorado. Kid me. Yeah. Well, go research it. I'm going to next <laughs> next podcast is commune life. That's what we're going to talk about. Recruitment. Okay. <laughs> uh, to join, you have to get into a hot tub, get baptized though. That's the, yeah, I don't hey, think kid. so. <laughs> <clears throat> no, you can wear, you can wear swimming suits. Fully clothed. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> back, back to it. Um, is there, Listen, I have like a million notes, but honestly, like the rest of the series did not interest me a ton to just like keep hashing into all the nitty gritty details of the actual murders and then like catching Ron and Dan Lafferty. And I know like, I mean, one of them or one of them is dead. One of them is still alive here. You know, he's like, he's like now three miles away from me in Point of the Mountain, Utah here. Oh. 
Um, <clears throat> one of them died of natural causes, I think. I can't remember which one. 2019. But, um, I remember that. <clears throat> um, is there anything anyone else had that they wanted to talk about before we get into Keep Sweet? I'll say the scene where they come back to her house and they're doing like they're going there to kill her that like I knew what was going to happen, but yeah. it was so hard to watch. And the I way that it, it was filmed. Oh, like I kept thinking like, well, I kept closing my eyes and then like looking like, <laughs> like a little kid, but it, as far as, um, you know, like how tasteful can you be when you're filming a murder, especially when that gruesome, I thought they did it tastefully enough as you could. Like there, you didn't see yeah. the murder, but you got all the feeling of, oh gosh, okay, this is happening. I did, I, I thought that was kind of a little bit strange when she was reciting to them. I don't, what was it that she was reciting? Was it like a... Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know either. But that part was a little strange, but it did really put a lot of personality behind her as a character and a person probably with the strength that she had to confront these guys. Yeah. That that was something. But yeah, that was emotionally, that was grueling. Like, that was hard. It really, especially like the whole which like did happen the whole experience of them like going to her house knocking on her door no answer them leaving and then coming back yeah and then she was there which is just like heartbreaking in all the ways you know well and the neighbor too like all those little elements where you already know what's going to happen but every step you're like oh oh like don't do that (laughs) like stop them but yeah it was sad should we talk about Keep Sweet? I want to a little bit, especially in, in comparing and contrasting to Under the Banner of Heaven, because Keep Sweet is a documentary, whereas Under the Banner of Heaven is this dramatization. And I, I thought that Keep Sweet told a much more powerful story. And um, I was actually encouraged. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I loved the women in it. They, they make a point. I, I know you haven't watched the fourth episode yet, Jessica, but they make this point um, that in that culture, the women are, you know, second-class citizens. They're used as, you know, chattel commodity, commodities to like buy and sell and gain status and things like that. And how deliciously ironic it is that it was the women that, uh, brought it all down um, with, with Warren Jess. Like I, yeah. I didn't know how evil Warren Jess was. Um, and like watching that, like the, the way that he kind of modeled himself, I think more after Brigham Young, a little bit of Joseph Smith too, but oh, yeah, he, he was, he was an, an awful guy, but the, the way that they told that story about how even, even in that, environment with all of the shit that they had to deal with these women were so brave in standing up even when they didn't want to like like the the one in the courtroom she's like i i locked eyes with warren and i would not look away until and he looked away and in that moment when he looked away i realized he didn't have any power over me at at all 
Mm. And like, so, so that kind of story of empowerment, even with all that shit there, man, I, I loved that documentary and it was certainly disturbing. I mean, there were some parts that were really, really disturbing about it. Um, but it was so well done. It told the story so well. Well, and see then the difference too, with what you're saying, even though I didn't watch the last with the women being strong and looking their abuser in the eye, like Brenda was doing that in the scene, but you don't, you're like, what did this really happen? I don't know. But hearing Mm -hmm. you talk about this real true life, you know, it happened. You see, you, you hear her talking about it. It feels like you allow it to, to settle into you as being more powerful in some ways too. Um, See that one, like with keep sweet, I almost feel like sort of like what you were saying, Glenn, I feel sort of the opposite feeling I have to under under the banner of heaven, because I feel like I have more empathy for what those people were going through. And like my background being somewhat similar to theirs, as far as like understanding what like a prophet is and understanding those feelings of like wanting to do what's right and, and the power that they have over you. Like they, they believe that they were doing exactly God's will, you know, and entering into these polygamous relationships or, or whatever, or if they went against Warren Jeff's will, like they were disobeying the prophet of God, yeah, which is, is so much more than just disobeying a man or, or an authority figure in general, you know, like it's, it's literally disobeying, God's one true voice on the earth, which is, is mind blowing to think about if you were in that culture. I think there's something too about like mainstream members, you know, the more common uh, membership where, you know, we have these ideas, but in our lived life, we're still kind of dictating how we do it, you know, like how we pick and choose and, and and that's, you know, I know a lot of people don't like that term cafeteria Mormonism, but I just mean we're integrated here. Like, you know, having such a small, like that is so much more characterized of, of a cult, you know, like yeah. having that small tight knit, everyone's watching everyone, everyone's examining every move that you're making. You know, this is real. Like the idea of a prophet knowing your thoughts and understanding like what your future is going to be and all of those kinds of things. Like you are saturated in it to where it's not just an idea that could mean something could the way you apply it. It's real. And that, I mean, you're seeing that um, applied in, you know, the documentary with what I've seen anyway, that, it's heartbreaking that, yeah. um, you know, the application of it is so extreme. <laughs> so and controlling. I, very controlling. And I, and I, I loved the, the part where, and I don't remember what her name was, but she talks about how she, you know, like, like Warren just banned like any kind of outside music, yeah. TV, you know, like any, any the color news red. from, yeah, the color red, all stuff like that. But she came across like a, an ABBA CD or something like that. And oh, so after school, she would go home and she would, she would go out and hike out into the mountains and listen to her ABBA CD and just like feel, oh, there's something more than just this little community. And, and it reminded me when I was a, a graduate student in folklore, one of my professors was Egyptian 
and um, his name was Hassan El Shami. I loved that guy. He was a cool guy. And he was telling us this story once. We were, we were taking a class on, on Middle Eastern folklore. And he said, you know, the way that I was raised, um, women always covered themselves anywhere and everywhere. And he goes, and I remember being 12 years old and seeing a woman's ankle. And that was so arousing. Like it's so arousing. It goes, and it's funny because you don't think about that outside of this culture, yeah. you know, where you see ankles all the time, where the, but because it was so taboo, like, oh, you get to it. And I just think, you know, like human nature is going to be human nature in, in all of the different varieties, no matter what kind of culture you put it around. And there's these little cultural influences that push and pull against human nature. And Short Creek was kind of a microcosm of that. And what happens when you, assert control you you don't allow people to have the kind of freedom to, to be integrative like you were talking about jess and, and to in mainstream mormonism does this a little bit but not nearly to the extreme of you cannot watch anything that was made by a non-mormon or read books that were made by a non-mormon you know like there's there's sentiments like that that still exist among people in the church but for the most part mormons are pretty well integrated into normal society. Um, so I, anyway, I, I, I really liked keep sweet. I binged it all in one night. Um, and, and I remember, cause we, we had talked about it in our coaching group, um, on Monday and my first reaction was like, Oh, here's another one of those documentaries that is just, you know, like cashing in on the salaciousness yeah. of these horrible things. And is that really a healing thing to do? You know? So I, I I'm, I'm watching this thinking, okay, is this healing? And what are the elements about it that are healing? Cause I really felt like it was healing. And I, I, and the thing that I thought was most appealing about it was how empowering it was is showing, like telling the story of, of these women, especially that were, that did not have positions of power in that community. And then they took it and used it and still have it. And not that everything's sunshine and, and roses for them, but like hearing them tell their story um, rather than having it be depicted by somebody else who didn't really know them and has their own story that they want to tell, like you had in Under the Banner of Heaven, it, it was healing for me. Um, it, it helped me heal from Under the Banner of Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'll tell you what's interesting as I was watching watching the series is I was thinking back to so Mike Levitt, who was former governor of Utah for a long time, <clears throat> before he was governor of Utah, he was, I think, the state attorney general. Um, and he persecuted, not persecuted, <laughs> prosecuted, <clears throat> maybe persecuted too, yeah. I don't know. They've got uh, prosecution complex. He, uh, right. He prosecuted... Um, some instances of polygamy here in Utah while he was state attorney general. And he, like, he thought that people would be all for it and be like, yeah, like if it's illegal, let's go out and, and prosecute these people. If we have good cause, you know, probable cause. And, but like, essentially what came of it is like, Utahns did not look at it all that favorably, you know, like they didn't want government messing with their religion and, and whatever, even if you were a Mormon who was looking at 
look at me unfavorably, which I found so fascinating to me. And like, I could like share podcasts or, or articles about this whole scenario or everything, but it was so interesting to me because like, it seems like everyone in my social group would look at someone prosecuting polygamy very favorably, but there, there are lots of people who I think you just really hate the government getting it up in their business. And then there's also like, I think probably a large group of people maybe who go on, who like don't have that much of a voice or don't feel like they can share their voice who are like, oh yeah, polygamy is part of the church and will, will be part of the church in heaven. And maybe like it could come back here on this earth. Like there were many, there were like several people in keep suite who were not, they did not like grow up within the FLDS uh, culture or whatever, or religion, and then like converted yeah. and, and moved down to Short Creek, right? Yeah. So I guess Kurt is the, seems like there's a question bubbling on everything you just said about, and the question is how much of a secret desire is there in the general population of Mormons in Utah, or maybe just Mormons in general to, return to polygamy like from what you're saying you know when they when the law actually tried to prosecute it so people are like maybe we don't want to prosecute well and that's that's the thing right like i don't know how much of that is just like people not wanting the government up in marriages business or whatever or how much of it is like people wanting to return to polygamy or not you know i i I hope it's the former i i don't know I'm, i'm disappointed either way regardless I had a MTC of somebody in the MTC who reminded me a lot of the prophet Onias from Banner of Heaven, and uh, he he was going to start his own polygamy group. Did he have a braided beard? No, well, it was the MTC, so oh. couldn't couldn't get a braided beard. But never been. <laughs> he did have he did have the the frame of the prophet Onias. <laughs> did anything come of it, Ren? Uh, he got sent home. Uh, from for polygamy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you tried to start it in the mission field. No, I don't know what happened to him after that. That, that uh, happened in France, by the way. I heard Did you know that. that? Yes. Yeah, the, the great French mission apostasy. Yeah, there was a missionary oh. that kind of went rogue and started uh, some polygamous stuff. With well, sister missionaries, right? Yeah, sister missionaries, yeah. and and some of the local uh-huh. ward people, and. Uh-huh. Yeah, then he ended up going to Mexico afterwards. Okay, that's where you go, I guess. Yeah, great chocolate down there, apparently. We'll call, we'll we'll keep his, it it, uh, anonymous, call him Mitt R. Mitt. (laughs) Maybe that's too obvious, we'll call him M. Romney. (laughs) Uh, Guys, my, I have, like my aunt, she was, she grew up in the Mexican colonies, you know, like Mm -hmm. which were originally polygamous colonies and stuff. and, And they're like, I don't know how, like, are they still polygamous colonies? Are they, there are people who still live there, like Mormons who still live there. Yeah. One one of my cousins lived there for the longest time. She's a Romney. Um, And uh, they, they moved several years ago when they were starting to like, it was getting dangerous down there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People getting kidnapped. And Uh, I have this book of uh, Dimitri Martin drawings, funny drawings. I don't know if you know. Dimitri Martin comedian. Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> one, one of them is 
it's a guy standing there and he has three balls and chains around his foot and it says polygamist. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys watch Big Love? Uh, No. uh, You didn't? Uh -uh. I watched it a long time ago. Did you like it, Jeff? It was good, yeah. Yeah, I love it. But like, did you like it? Why did you like it? I loved it. What's like that? For the church stuff. Did you like it for the church stuff? For the story, both. Like, what was good about it? All of it. All of it. Well, you I probably mean, liked the- it more too because it wasn't trying to be a true life. It was a very fictional story, right? Like, it was very fictional story, but it was also I, I thought sympathetic in some ways. It, it it humanized polygamy for me in ways that, like, I'd never seen it depicted, hmm. especially kind of like contemporary polygamy but like there was an episode i think it was episode season three they go back to um uh palmyra to go to the hilkamora pageant and that episode was amazing uh, you know because because bill's going through some kind of like faith crisis stuff and he's getting down on his knees and he's praying to heavenly father and he's like so confused because he feels like he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, but things aren't happening the right way. You know, like his covenant missionary work isn't working out the way that he, he hasn't bound God the way that he thought he was supposed <laughs> to bound God through his obedience. And uh, they, they, they do like a baptism in that episode. Oh, there were just, I, I loved seeing the Mormon cultural elements being treated with more nuance than just kind of like bad, yeah. bad, horrible you know, it just, it, it was much more. There was some good in it too. Like, I feel like under the banner, like they had moments where you're like, okay, like this, there are normal families in Mormonism. Not as many, but <laughs> there were some. And under the banner of heaven? Touching moments. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else thought that? No, yeah. I thought like so Brenda's family. Yeah, I thought that I thought that pretty much every depiction. I mean, like Andrew Garfield's daughters in the first episode, and you know, like that was nice and sweet. But pretty much every other Mormon that they showed felt to me like a caricature. The bus driver was taking care of the mom. Even the little looking out for each other. Scared policeman. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I thought Jeb's family was like pretty normal. Like they they felt pretty, like pretty like very similar to families that I would think yeah, of. They in- like prioritized family. They struggled through things, but they came together. They centered around their faith, but it wasn't. I don't know. It seemed like it was fine, ish. I, I was going to say that for me, the first time that I ever stopped and really looked at what modern polygamy was, was with the Sister Wives show on mm, TLC. On TLC. Oh, yeah, really? like I got sucked into that for a while. And I was just like, you know what? If you want to be a polygamist, go ahead, be a polygamist. Mm. Um, and I had never considered that before. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's something about seeing humans be human in their real life where you go, oh yeah, they worry about the same things I worry about and, you know. They that, have- that was one of the things I liked about Keep Sweet in that first episode, the, the lawyer that they had, I really liked him. Um, and, and he said something at the beginning, like polygamy itself isn't really the problem. Right. Um, right. It, it's, it's these other things that get attached to it. And they kind of showed you in that first family that they focused on in Keep Sweet, um, what, like polygamy is 
hard, not ideal in my mind, at, at least, but there was love and joy and things like that. And then well, Warren Jeffs comes in and like split them up, pushes people out and takes and reassigns wives. And he's all punitive and trying to consolidate power. And that was the real problem there. Not you no, know, but then, but then like the question then becomes is like, are there realistic times and, and ways where we have polygamy, where you don't have so many of the other problems that go along with it? Like so many of the issues that we have, with polygamy, I feel like we would have, I feel like are, are going to come along with polygamy regardless of like, if you're entering into this, like fully aware or without any pressure, things like that, where, where women are mistreated consistently and stuff. Like, I think those things are almost consistently just going to be hand in hand, but at the same time, like, I agree with you just a little bit, like, I, I would probably not prefer a law to be on the books of like, you know, polygamy is illegal. Like if, if someone wants to, to enter in a relationship like that, or two women and one man or two men and one woman, like they should probably be allowed to, but it's all the other stuff that comes along with it, which is terrible. Just like you're saying, Glenn. I have a secret, but I'll tell you guys after we stop recording. Yeah, he's a polygamist. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. What's in that closet? Ah, <laughs> uh, shoot. Now you're just made. Let's stop recording right now. Oh, is that all it takes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the secret Any, podcast. Secret podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you wanted to say? For the so film? I. I can't believe, am I seriously the only one who was bothered by the Highlander references over and over? The Highlander references? See, I know nothing. My what goodness is Highlander? Gracious. Okay, tell us. The One Mighty and Strong you're the talking about? The One Mighty and Strong. The battle, well, yeah. To me, it just it was just another one of the like over the top, over the top. I just got so desensitized to the over the top stuff. Like every time Alan Lafferty comes in to be Mr. Exposition, well, let me tell you about oh, this yeah. horrible thing that the Mormon church did. Yeah, that's really good dialogue there. I didn't care about them. I just didn't really care about them. Ren, yeah, is the one mighty and strong? So that's like a church reference as well. But is that also from Highlander? Well, no, just the phrase "there can be only one." There can be only one. Like that is the that Highlander. There can be only one. (laughs) I was like, yeah, yeah. They went off. They knew what they were doing. I don't. I don't. Probably not. They had to have, I mean, I don't know how they could not have chosen the Highlander theme song to start every episode after episode five. Yeah. Glenn, tell us about your secret. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Lay down the weapons that you use against the world. We don't need another war. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You Hi, this is Hillary. Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Keith. Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes and take.
take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Ren, tell us about the cruise. Rain. Oh my goodness, the cruise, it was vulgar, <laughs> obscene decadence. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, that's a compliment, oh. or that's a, a good thing. That's, that's right, harken back to the days of ancient Rome, find yourself a vomitorium and just have at it. Have you so cruise life is for you then. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I had a good time, but I don't know. Hmm? Have you been on a cruise before? No, I had never been on a cruise. So I know we um, we talked about a long time ago in Slack. We talked about David Foster Wallace and like his graduation speech that he gave. Mm-hmm. Wow. He also wrote a really long essay called, um, or actually I think this might've been like a collection of essays or something, but it was like something, shit, shit, what was that? It was like so like, something supposedly fun that I will never do again or something like that all about his cruise ship experience. And he so perfectly encapsulates the cruise experience for me. Like I have zero desire to ever go do a cruise again. I, yeah, yeah. I I'll have to check that out, but probably the same for me. Like it was super fun. Like I had a lot of really fun moments, but just the, excess and the like uh, constant like pressure to like are you enjoying yourself you need to be enjoying yourself right now if you're not enjoying yourself then there's something wrong with you <laughs> like whoa the pressure okay. yeah wow. i feel like i would not like crowds if there was a lot of people oh i wouldn't like that. you can't get away from people yeah you can, like, yeah except in you can't get away from room. people <laughs> No, you cannot. <laughs> they follow you in there. <laughs> I wanted to get into like a hot tub, like on my own, like so many times. It's just always crowded, like 10 people in the hot tub. and Sitting like, on your lap. <sighs> yeah. So I, I didn't mind that part of it. Was... <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, have you been on a, on a cruise before? No. Me neither. No, no, I have no desire to. I have desire because I want to know what it's like, mm. but I'll check that off the list and <clears throat> move on. Probably. Um, we should all go on one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Convince Glenn. It's it's one of those things that like, like if you started out with me on a cruise, it'd be like, oh, this is fun, and then it could quickly turn into hell. Like, mm-hmm. like if I'm stuck with on a cruise, you specifically. Yes. <laughs> okay. Like people go on cruises for a year straight. Yeah. Like like 12 they like do. a 12 month cruise. You're just on a cruise ship. It's like how you retire. Some people do that or whatever. Yeah. And I can't think of a worse fate than going on a cruise for a year. What if you There's still had to go me. to church every week for the rest of your life? <laughs> uh, on the cruise? Like no. on the cruise. What would you chapel? like what would you if 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 someone came to you Kurt and said uh, you've got two options for the rest of your life. You can either go on a cruise for one year of the rest of your life, or you've got to go back to church and do it all like you used to do. 
for the rest of your life Uh for the the rest of my life for the rest of your life uh for sure the cruise there we go for sure and we put in how many years it's it's what it's one it's a one year of a cruise but i could like get through that i can do the rest five years (laughs) five years now jess is really probing to explore your limits it would be church for five years okay ren what would you do uh i think i'd do church probably Wait, I don't for think five I years do... or rest of your life uh well i i thought the options were cruise for a year or do church for the rest of your life is that yeah. the choice yeah, yeah i think maybe church yeah but you have to, you have to do like 100 percent. i know it's not called home teaching anymore but it used to you, you got to be 100 percent everything full full tithe payer uh temple recommend doing the whole thing you're like you're a fully active what the, is it possible though? Because I'd go as back as a woman. No, you're Relief Society president. Yeah, Relief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to. Okay, never cruise. Back to cruise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I think in Ren's case, that that make you go back to being a man. Oh um, no! Yeah, cruise for sure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for yeah. listening to <laughs> Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.